0: Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar-related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today, on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on stage etiquette. I've played arenas to gazebos, amphitheaters to auditoriums, county fairs to backyard bashes, main stage to truck bed trailer. In all these venues, the most important thing I did was not music. Of course, the music is important, but if you want to perform again, in that arena or gazebo, you better make sure you know your role for the gig. Whether you are a guitar player, a singer, stagehand, monitor engineer, or the buddy that got invited along for the ride, everyone needs to know stage etiquette. But what is stage etiquette? Does it only apply to the band? Who am I trying to please? Do I have any good or bad stories? What is spiking? And who lit in a drummer for guitar therapy? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with John on the Tweed Couch. Well, it is amazing to have someone that I am surprised has taken so long to get on to the couch. So I would like to welcome not just a bandmate of mine, but a friend, a boss. And in all honesty, even though he's not related, he feels like family. And I want to welcome to the couch, John. Uh, Dr. T, it is so
1: good to be here. Thanks for letting me infiltrate guitar player Tweed Couch here. As a drummer, this has been a dream of mine since I heard about the podcast to get a therapy session for my mediocre guitar skills.
0: (laughs) Yes, you know what? And mine for drum skills. So it totally makes sense. And it's interesting that you mentioned the whole idea of being a drummer, you know, some people may be interested about who you are and why I would have a drummer on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe some roles that you've played in music? Sure. Um, I've had a lot of different roles in music
1: over time. I, I have to dedicate that to my, my grandmother who mm. literally from, from the littlest ages on, she was playing Elvis Presley, <sighs> you know, all this old stuff. Do you
0: remember the Prison Ears? I do not, but that totally sounds like a '50s '60s type of band.
1: There were like a bunch of guys who were in prison that got recorded uh, <laughs> on Sir Records. Are you sure that wasn't Johnny Cash? <laughs> well, it, it, you know, there's there's some ties to him too, but they got picked up by Sam Phillips, ended up signing to Sun Records, and that's one of the things that like Elvis Presley, like he was one. There were one of his inspirations. So there's kind oh, of wow. this weird. Weird connection to Elvis. Anyway, my grandmother loved him. My dad had the same kind of love and, and admiration for music. But it was mostly 50s and 60s, like even doo-wop and, and that kind of stuff. And then when I was in high school, I discovered my mom's record collection. Ooh. And it wasn't 50s and 60s doo-wop. It was the Beatles oh, yeah. and Hendrix and the Stones mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. And that just made me go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So uh I actually started playing drums because in uh junior high, my best friend got a guitar for Christmas. Yeah, and I got a drum set for Christmas. Yes. And we we merged the two worlds together to form a band in high school and yeah. we were terrible, but everybody's first band is terrible.
0: Of course. It's a learning experience, is what it is.
1: Exactly. And uh yeah. you, you kind of learn how to play with each other and how to how to go back and forth and all those things. And, you know, we, we did the talent competitions in high school and all that stuff. After I graduated high school, though, I got into playing full time as a bar cover band. So that was my career for a few years. Really? Was the money good? Yeah, actually, it was what I did full time wow. right out of high school. So That's pretty awesome. Then we started doing the sound and light stuff. That kind of started to become my world, mostly because I discovered that if I owned the production... I made more money as, oh, the, yeah. as the bandmate, right? So I uh, started buying sound and, and consoles and all that kind of stuff. That business grew, and the band thing was always there, but it, it actually became more of a production side of things. Then uh, about 20 years ago, I started getting involved with festival production and doing sound at festivals and, and, and other outdoor events, yeah. which led me to my current position as a festival director uh i run two different festivals Mm. one in tennessee and one in wisconsin
0: i'm glad that you you kind of mentioned that because one of the things that i'm really appreciative of is the fact that life fest which is actually the festival in which you run and you are the festival director of has been a sponsor of the tweed couch for the last like six months or something like that which you know i thank you for that and What's nice about that is that my role at LifeFest is quite different than many other festival running roles. Because not only am I there to, you know, help run a stage here and there and maybe help with sound and bringing sound places or whatever, but sometimes... I'm also there to play, and so I'm yeah. filling in and, and helping out and stuff like that, uh, helping with the setup and teardown as well as maybe I'm a drummer or a bass player or a guitar player for some band or something like that. And it it's been pretty awesome.
1: Or the occasional Rock and Roll Hall of Fame artist that happens yeah. to Grace our stage. That's uh, exactly right. Who says I need a band and I'm like I got some guys, don't worry about yeah. it. So,
0: yeah, that was that was fun. For those that have not been paying attention to the Twee couch until now, John and I actually at Life Fest a couple of years ago, we got to play with Jonathan Kane, who is the piano player for Journey, and that was an awesome time and you know what maybe someday we will get a chance to just kind of explain how did that happen. <laughs> just how does that kind of thing happen. But we're not going to worry about that just yet. I will say that Life Fest is pretty awesome and I'm excited for what's in store this year, assuming that, you know, it all actually pans out.
1: Yeah. You know, dealing with, with COVID, obviously, a year of the industry being shut down yeah. has changed a lot of parameters and a lot of things that we have to deal with. But um we're looking forward to you know, as the vaccine gets trenched out and as as comfort levels change and, and yep. protocols change, things we do differently. All of that kind of gets ramped back up, um, looking forward to to getting back out and doing live events. Because there's nothing like standing in a crowd and having, you know, 20,000 people listen to a song together. And they're, that collective moment, that collective energy yep. is just amazing.
0: Well, and then the singing and the clapping and just being able to be able to feel the yeah. sound more than just hear it. I mean, there, there's something pretty amazing to that. Now, with all that said, it's probably worth it for us to talk about you in that role of either the musician or as the festival director. How would you define stage etiquette? Stage
1: etiquette is defined as accepted behavior during the auditions, rehearsals,
0: and run of a production or show. Wow. So you literally gave me Webster's Dictionary. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, I
1: I Googled it just to see what it was. So stage etiquette, as far as musicians are concerned, is kind of everything that happens as you're preparing for the show. And I would even put it all the way back to load in, sound check, performance, load out. I would use those yeah. for moments of a performance because it varies obviously with what you're doing. I mean, some bands it's all right, get everything out of the van and carry it into the bar. Right. To talking to the backline coordinator to make sure that you're using the right gear, you know, at a festival or a large, large indoor well, event or whatever. So
0: it's actually interesting that you put it that way because stage etiquette isn't only mandated to the band, it's mandated to anyone who is up on stage. So whether you're a monitor engineer, or you're the backline coordinator, or you're a stagehand. Someone that literally volunteered to wear all black and pull down a drape so that the headliner is completely blocked for the entire time, and then boom, there's the big deal. All stage etiquette goes into play.
1: The simplest way to define stage etiquette for me is you do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, and you don't do anything that you're not supposed to do. It's yeah. the simplest way to, to point it out. Right. <laughs> yep. You know, a lot of times when you're dealing with a festival, especially during changeovers and those types of things, as long as we're talking about stagehands, there's usually never a, a minute not programmed. And and for those that have never seen a minute by minute schedule, uh, it <laughs> literally is that it's minute by minute. It's pages upon pages of, of Excel spreadsheets that says at, 823, you're doing this, and at 824,
0: you're doing this. And if every band misses by one minute, then you've possibly backed up 15 minutes on a headliner.
1: Yeah, I was actually on a tour with a guy and uh I, I was I was acting as the monitor engineer and the the two opening acts kept going two to three minutes over and they're like, What's the big deal? It's only two to three minutes. Yep. And I said, Well, by the time we get to our headliner, we're fifteen minutes late. Which, as the run of show is, especially when you're using union halls or or arenas, you start to get into union overages, right? Because if union calls 10 o'clock, because the show ends at 10 o'clock and you end at 10.15, you're now paying for a whole nother hour of your union fees.
0: Right. Or something that we deal with sometimes, which is there's a noise ordinance. or Yeah, or the noise ordinance. Now Um, the headliner doesn't get to do the finale, and if they don't get to do the finale or they don't get to do the encore... Now the people who actually paid to see those people are upset, and that that's a big deal too.
1: And and that's why the first thing, as far as musicianship, stage etiquette, would be know who's in charge of the stage. You want to look at the stage manager specifically, uh, or a lot of festivals might call them the program manager, the person that runs the clock. Yeah. A lot of them get a bad reputation because they're ornery and hard to deal with, and they they're right. demanding and all these things. They're firm. But, yeah. But that's their job, you know, uh, right. that's what they're supposed to do is to get one act on, get them to play, get them done on time and, and get to the next thing on the minute by minute schedule. So,
0: and if they don't do it, then they're not your stage manager next year. Exactly. They got to, I mean, they got to hit their marks
1: or, you know, they, they don't get paid <laughs>
0: as a yeah. game. Well, as the guy who is usually the one that's playing on the stage, you know, occasionally I'm helping out run the stage, but most of the time I'm playing on the stage As that kind of guy, I kind of look at stage etiquette as really two things. One is you need to be as respectful of the space as possible. If you're not the headliner, you don't get much space. So if your rig takes up a whole lot of real estate, you need to figure that out because you need to be respectful of the reason why you're there, which is not because your band's awesome, it's because the headliner's awesome. And then on top of that, It's also having this humble oriented attitude, this idea of you hired me because I provide a service that either A, makes money or B, fits an agenda that the festival or the venue is trying to create. And so I look at all those things and I go, you know what? If you're the side player, if you are the not opening band, the opener to the opener of the opening band, then you know what? Just be happy that you made it on stage. Play what you need to play. Do what you need to do. And that's stage etiquette. Respectful and this humble-minded, service-oriented attitude.
1: Another big thing about stage etiquette is as you look at who you bring with you on stage, who you you have working for you. Uh, Because road managers, tour managers... Local stagehands are, are kind of mm-hmm. controlled by the, the stage manager, but the band guys, uh, the band controls their
0: road crew. Well, I'll be honest. You look at things like guitar techs and uh, monitor engineers and some of those people will shoot even possibly the husbands or wives of the band. And if they can't handle themselves in a manner to where they're not a distraction, well, then that's poor stage etiquette.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be the Yoko Ono of of the local, you know, band no. scene or whatever. Uh and you don't want your wife to be the local Yoko uh, Ono.
0: No, no, you don't want that. That'd be terrible. <laughs> and and with that, it's probably worth it for us to actually give some examples of good stage etiquette. So, what are a few examples that you have seen or possibly even done that showed proper stage etiquette?
1: The the first one is a I'll, I'll take this from a drummer standpoint, right? I'm a drummer. Yeah. Is is get to the kit, know what is yours to use, especially in a festival setting. Because uh, a lot of bands, it's it's a house drum kit, right? So you sit down at the yeah. house drum kit. I've had bands that that come in mm. and they'll ask right up front, what are the house cymbals? I didn't bring my cymbals. Where's the house cymbals? Is this the house kick pedal? Making sure that they're not using the other guy's equipment. Yeah. So having that frame of reference, and that that, that goes for guitar players as well and bass players and everything you know is this the house bass rate can i use this yes do you need to spike yeah. it spiking is a term of putting tape on the floor or tape on an amp to say this these are the settings that yep band a is using i'm now band b i'm going to move all of his settings so we want to spike it we want to either take a picture with our cell phone or put a piece of tape on it that says what number everything was set to so the term spike do you know where it comes from i thought it was from spike tape is that not true No, the term spike actually goes all the way back to like Shakespearean actor days. So they
0: literally put a spike in the ground?
1: (laughs) They would take, because the actors would perform barefoot typically uh, on a wooden stage, and they would take nails and they would put them into the ground so the actor could feel the spike, the nail on their foot. And they knew where to stand. So they would step on their spike. Wow. And then fast forward to, you know, today we don't, we're not nailing stages anymore. You put a piece of tape down, kind of a green fluorescent or a red fluorescent or orange or whatever. Yeah. And and you spike the
0: corners of the amps. You go, okay, this amp goes here and this goes here and that type of stuff. So that's where that comes from. Wow. That is great. You know, and there are so many different things that you can do to show good stage etiquette. And one of those, of course, would be communication. Right. Yep. Like that's, that's kind of what you're getting at. You're a left-handed drummer. Yes. Which in all honesty, that's a perfect example of something that you would want to communicate early. You know, if, if you walk in and of course they got the house kit and you're a left-handed drummer, they may need to change the way that the cables run or any of that kind of stuff, or possibly they're going to say, well, did you bring your kit? Cause I'd mm-hmm. rather just set up a second one.
1: I run into that type of stuff. We, you know, the events that we do together used to have like two or three artists at them. So oh, yeah. I would always have to, all right, you know, and that was mostly communication with whoever's drum kit I was playing because uh, we would fly in and, and you get what you get kind of deal. Right. But advancing is the term that we use in the music industry. Yep. You want to advance the show. And all that literally means is tell whoever's in charge or whoever's the point person for the venue what you're going to be doing and what you want to do. A stage manager's job is to, Retrieve all that advancing information, sort it, make sure that it's going to happen, put a plan together, and then execute the advance. Because sometimes they'll say, no, you can't use your, you know, SVT 8, 10 bottom, you know, cabinet, you're going to be direct. Your bass is going to be direct that right. day. You know, you're going to use the house guitar rig. You have to use the AC-30 that we have or the Marshall yep. half stack, or whatever.
0: Stage volume can't be above a certain amount of decibels because of the room space or whatever.
1: Y- yeah. Yeah. And it's whoever. And it goes all the way down to your weekend musicians, right? Like you want to call the club that you're going to go play and say, hey, do you guys have your own mics or do we have to bring our own? Do you have your own? power yeah do we have to bring extension cords and cables and all that kind of stuff yep because when you show up the worst thing is you show up to a gig and you don't have what you need yeah which is just a nightmare for everyone involved so
0: yeah i'll be honest i am a guitar player now occasionally i will be asked to play bass or i'll be asked to play drums So when that happens, it's usually because of a lack of better options. It's usually not because I'm just that great of a musician. It's because I'm that easy to work with. That's really all it is. And so an example that I have of good stage etiquette, in a certain instance, I ended up playing at one of the festivals drums for the whole thing. And, you know, that was great. But then we ended up being the opener For this headliner band, it was Sidewalk Profits. And we don't want to have to set up two drum kits, especially for a guitar player who's faking being a drummer. So we actually had to go to the headliner and say, Is it all right that we use that kit? And the only thing that they said was, As long as you move nothing, you may use it. And that is a great example of stage etiquette. The fact that you go, All right, I know my role. My role is to be an opener, not to be a diva. So in which case, if you decide to play a snare that's at my eyes and a kick drum that's far off to the left, and I'm a right-handed drummer, then fine. I'm learning how to do that on the fly because I know my role. My role is not what people paid to see. My role is to open up for what people paid to see.
1: You know, when when we deal with the the overall concept of stage etiquette, specifically at a festival, it's always funny because people are like, "Oh man, are those headliners hard to deal with?" And the answer is no; they're super easy to deal with because they know their role. Advance mm-hmm. is usually really easy with the headliner because they'll tell you exactly what they want. And quite frankly, from a festival standpoint, we're paying them that much money, so they're gonna yeah. they're gonna get what they want. It's usually those mid-level bands that are trying to break into the upper upper echelons, yeah. where I've seen most of the the problematic stage etiquette. But the ones that keep getting asked back to the festival are the ones that we see the other side of that etiquette. And actually, Sidewalk Profits is a is a great example of a band that early on they would show up and be like, "What do you need us to do? We'll we'll play we'll play with a you know a cajon and a piano bench if that's what you want to sit. You know yeah you know we'll do whatever it takes to make the show go."
0: Actually, another great example was uh, I Am They. Oh, same thing. They yep. are awesome at just going, well, what do you want us to do? Hold on, you're going to have us play at the kid's stage for the bonfire? Okay, so what you're telling me is you still want us to perform. Great, we'll do it. Yeah. I'm, well, well, that's the attitude. Especially <laughs> That's it.
1: Especially, you know, a lot of it comes out too during adversity uh, is, is the biggest thing. Mm. The example you just gave with I Am They, it was raining, right? So we don't have the bonfire and we're going to do yeah. it in the kid's area and we're going to put flames on a tv or on a screen or whatever and yeah. they were like sure whatever what do you need us to do what what okay this is what it is now great you know we've advanced all of this okay that doesn't yeah. exist anymore we don't have that venue you're now here going all the way back 20 years ago uh we had that happen with a band called audio adrenaline where the main stage got rain. Oh, yeah. it, it was just raining all day long and at the festival we have this big covered arena and you could probably put Six, seven thousand people under it, and we had this side stage Mm -hmm. that was usually the rock venue. You know, we were like, "Well, Audio Adrenaline's here. We want them to play their set. We're gonna have to move them to this rock venue." So we kind of we we went to everybody and we're like moving people around and moving all the stuff around. And Audio Adrenaline just showed up and they were like, "Yeah, the house kit works." So like they didn't bring their their headliner package. They they were like, "You've got ears for us, great. We'll use those. Oh, you got this, great. We'll use that." As a headliner, to humbly step into a really bad audio situation because it's a big metal building and the whole oh, deal, yeah, and to just say, "Hey, we're gonna play our you know two hour set because we just want to play," and you yeah. know part of it obviously is you know if they don't play, they don't get paid, and they don't you know there's those types of things too, right? But that willingness right. to to mold and and bend and 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 have that goes a long way in the industry. When someone comes to you and goes, "Hey, I need a I need a bass player," and Dr. T yep. jumps on stage and says, "I'm going to play bass." Like that yep. that goes a long way with everybody in the industry. When you see bands that do that, especially in the early days that are willing to kind of go wherever and do whatever, that goes a long way in getting you rebooked at a festival. So.
0: Yeah. And so, since we've already talked about all of the possible good ways, then I think it's only fair that we talk about what are some examples that you've seen or possibly even done of poor stage etiquette.
1: I'll start off with with the single worst experience I've ever had. Oh, <laughs>
0: so we're starting off on a high we'll note. Start off, right. We'll start
1: off with the biggie uh, and then we'll, we'll work our way back. Okay. We had a band that Shall remain nameless uh, for their own okay. for their own sake. So we have a in, in the festival world, you live and die by your sponsors. You you have major sponsors that pay a lot of money to get that window of time on the stage, and it's usually before your headliner. This this big sponsor had their guy out there doing their doing their promotion and and, and talking about what they were talking about. The road manager was getting pretty antsy. He's like, our guys are supposed to go on. Our guys are supposed to go on. And, and I said, right. you guys go on at nine. He's a professional. He's going to hit his mark. We should be fine. And at the time, this was way back when, way before like iPads and digital clocks and stuff that that could be controlled remotely. And so we there was literally a time card person. So there was a a, a gal in this case that stood up front and would like hold up a sign that said five minutes left or two minutes left or one minute yeah. left. And it got down to two minutes. And the guy that was on stage is wrapping up. The road manager grabs the sign out of the the poor girl's hands, walks out on stage, slams it down on the music stand in front of the guy giving the pitch and walks out to front of oh house to go mix the show. I mean, right in front of everybody. And, uh, the guy that was given the presentation looks down and he goes, Oh, well that was subtle. Okay. And he finished up and he hit his mark right at nine o'clock and he walked off stage and the band came out and they had an amazing show, right? Like the crowd was into it. Everything went really yeah. well,
0: but thus the reason why you booked. Them. Right.
1: Then the, the sponsor comes to me and they're like, what is going on? So, I get you know chewed out by the sponsor, obviously, for what was done in that moment.
0: Right. Because they paid for uninterrupted time. Right.
1: So then I let the show happen, and then I, I pull the, the road manager aside and basically informed him that we will never be working together ever again. And we have yet to book them ever again. Um, you know, they're a headliner. Yeah. They're a popular band. At least they were 15 years ago. Yeah. We've never worked with them again. Uh, In any capacity because of these poor decisions, not by the band, not by an artist, not by a guitar player jumping on truss or swinging from light rigs or something. Their representation treated our festival really poorly and treated a sponsor really badly. And that goes into kind of the, the, the other side of this is I, having started out as the lowly little, you know, guy pushing cases and doing that stuff in bar bands. Yeah. That kind of stuff holds a lot of weight to me. In the industry, you look at a lot of people who they shake your hand by looking over your shoulder to see if there's someone more important to talk to. And there, there's a lot of artists out there that do that. And there's a lot of managers out there that do that. And there's a lot of just people in general that do that, you know, whether it's politics or it's who's in charge here, those types of things. You know, you go to a party and you're always looking for who's the most popular kid that you want to, you know, you want to be in with the the popular crowd or whatever. Yeah. And um, I've I've never been into that. That's a huge red flag for me when when artists specifically will treat the stagehands poorly but then mm. give me a yes sir. Yeah, oh, yeah, we love we love your festival and those types of things. Yeah, well, I got a report from my my stage crew manager that you guys were really hard to work with. Now, most of the stories I get when from you and the other guys on the on yep. the production team will say, "Oh my gosh, man, I am they. They bent over backwards to do this." Well, you know what? Yep. We've booked them literally every year since And we will continue to book them as long as they're a band.
0: Well, and, you know, it's crazy because, you know, this is talking about the big deal thing. Okay. So just to humble it a little bit, let's go down to our normal little like corporate events. Yeah. Our hotel events that we do. We have something that we do called Quake. Yep. And Quake is a great youth event for for kids and, and it's a Christian event and it's great. But a stage etiquette that like a kid would have. Is obviously completely different than an adult or than a professional. So when a professional does something that a kid does, I can spot it from a mile away and it it upsets me. And a great example of that is whenever a kid will have the mic and they'll like say, okay, we're going to sing a song in the variety show. And they sing the variety show song. And then at the end, they hold out the mic Uh, and they drop it. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. I know. That's a mic drop, and mic oh. drops bother me so much because that's not your mic. right? And that's a stage etiquette. That- okay? And that goes to all things. So if you borrowed a guitar or an amplifier because it's backline, yeah. then don't smash it or kick it over. Also not okay because yeah. <laughs> that's poor stage etiquette. And these are things we've seen. We've seen them with our own eyes, and it's bothersome. So... That's the reason why when we talk about good stage etiquette, you know, we had uh, Passion Music come play at the festival a couple of years ago, and he wanted to run a stereo rig, and he was running it, and everything was good, but all of a sudden, the AC-30 started having some issues, and I went over to try and see if I could figure it out, and I went, yeah, it's, it's something's not quite right, and he went, that's okay, I'll just finish the set with the other one, and that was it. Yep. It wasn't anything like, well, then you better find another amp. It was just, okay, that's fine. We got about 35 minutes left. I'll finish it. It's fine. It's like, you know, you can see poor stage etiquette a mile away. And that's what you remember more oh, yeah. than the good stage etiquette.
1: Well, it's like the it's like the saying, you know, if you have a good experience at a restaurant, you'll tell three friends. If you have a bad experience, you'll tell 30. The music industry, as big as it is in infinite number of people who play guitar and an infinite number of people who play drums and, and and form bands and bands come and go and all these things but within their own little circles the music industry is really small yeah I, i'm in i live in wisconsin and, and we've got kind of a, a really good scene of music in appleton there's tons of bars that 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 have bands at play i've played in all of them i've played with most of these people <laughs> uh get the phone call going hey our drummer you know can't make it tonight can you come and play us at sure
0: whatever which is also awesome at the same time because yeah. it's fun to get that call and you go oh i got that time open yeah i'm there give me a set list so i can have an idea of what you're doing you know and for me it's like also give me a key <laughs> but you know like i i i actually really enjoy those cuz if i have the time it's fun because it's almost like there's less stress to it because you realize that you're just running into it but then when you surprise the crap out of them, they really, really, really are appreciative. You don't want to take their job. You're just really happy that you were able to meet and exceed the expectations. I actually,
1: ironically, I had a, I had a set that I had to do a couple years ago because the drummer was in a car accident the, night, the oh, wow. night before the show. So they called me up and they had me come in and do it. Every, it was that kind of thing, like... I've never played any of these songs before, but I put them in my playlist on my phone and I've listened to them for the last day and a half, you know, and so let's let's do this, you know, and uh, you make a mistake and and the crowd is usually a lot more forgiving of those types of things when you don't end the song together and you kind of explain, hey, this isn't our normal guy. But to your point, when you nail the ending of the recorded song and you've never played it before in your life, there's that. Moment of euphoria where you're like, oh, this is amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, actually, so to go back to that time that I got to be a drummer, the only reason why I ended up being hired as the drummer was because the other one started having back spasms and he could not make the drive to the show. And it was like, well, it's got to go on. And Dr. T happens to be there. (laughs) So, according to the guitar player, which was his brother, He's OK. And so all of a sudden now I'm there and I play a few sets with him, and then end up playing in front of like six thousand people to play some drum set. And I'm and I'm a guitar player. Yeah.
1: But but from a performing standpoint, those are the moments where you're like, that was so cool. Like, you'll remember that forever oh, when you get awesome. to do those things.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I broke a stick. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Let's hear from another sponsor. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, if you love family friendly, if you love camping, then you should look into LifeFest. LifeFest is one of the largest Christian music festivals in America and draws attendees from across the United States to worship together, deepen their faith, and strengthen relationships with family and friends. This three-day event features dozens of artists, engaging seminars, and much more. This year, in 2021, we have two festivals. Come join A Party with a Purpose in Oshkosh, Wisconsin on July 8th through 11th or on the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bon Agua, Tennessee on July 29th through 31st. I'll see you there.
1: So the the other things that, you know, when you run into stage etiquette, again, it comes down to those little moments I think you kind of hit on. The big moments, obviously, it's really easy road manager walks out, slaps down a time card in front of a guy who just paid you a bunch of money for this window of time, uh, is pretty easy to spot. Right. But, yeah. but the good little moments, the, we were on a tour and I was a monitor engineer and the bass player for the opening, the middle band. So there are three bands, the middle band, the bass player got sick. There was kind of this, it was middle of winter. This was about 10 years ago. Flu's going through the whole, the whole crew. Everybody's oh, yeah. getting sick. Everyone's taking their turn with that. And, uh, the bass player's out there and he's giving it. Like he's doing his best. And he just gets just he's white as a ghost and he comes running off the stage. And he takes off his bass and he hands it to me. Or he's going to hand it to me as he's running off to go uh do what you do when you're sick. <laughs> and the bass
0: I'm a doctor. I can handle it.
1: <laughs> and the bass player for the headliner. Is kind of standing there and he just slings the bass on and he turns the volume up and he starts playing the part, right? So the guy yeah. the band and the band's looking around like who's playing bass? The headliner bass player standing in Modern World, kind of playing along. I, I grab my headphones that I had on the console and I stick them on his head while he's playing so he can hear the track. I solo up the bass player's mix and the dude finished the set for the band, for the band before him, just playing in the in the in the wing. Like it's moments like those that no one knows about. Other than the yeah. band and the that bass player and myself, no one else knew what was going on. But the show happened and it went on. Um, even, you know, bands that break strings on stage, or the 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 headliners yeah. out there or the the openers out there and something's not working, and the headliner goes, dude, just use my cab or just use my this or just I, I got an extra guitar yep. cable. Here you go. Those little things, those little moments of cooperation, it can be show savers. You know, you can save someone yeah. else's set. By doing something little. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you and I could probably do an entire therapy session completely on how to be cool at a gig. Yeah. You know, whether it be, hey, you can borrow my guitar, my snare, my kick, my kick pedal, my microphone. You know, I held this with my own hands so you could finish the set because it was broken <laughs> You know, and and I had that happen just not too long ago with uh, Remedy Drive. The guy's cymbal stand was like flying. Every time he hit the crash, it flew off the drum riser. And so finally I held it to the end of the song. Then I got gaff tape and just gaffed the thing on. You know, honestly, we could have a pretty fun time just talking about all the random junk that happens that nobody ever notices in a a live setting yeah
1: and don't even don't even get me started on weather uh when when storms roll oh, in yeah. and we've
0: got to deal with lightning and rain and all that kind of stuff oh um, i've got so many good stories especially with you <laughs> about these these huge festivals and big awnings and stuff to you know worry about yeah
1: but i, I think that it all comes down to what you said at the top which is know your role fulfill yeah. it. For me, it's exceed expectations. Honestly, even just meeting expectations is what everyone's obviously expecting. That's why it's meeting the expectation. But if you exceed it, even just a little bit with your your abilities to, to reach out to other artists or your abilities to, to give up things that you would normally do, that goes a yeah. long way. At the end of the day, everyone has that role and we we mentioned the stagehands role is to facilitate the band to be able to play the audio engineer's role is to facilitate the band's playing the band's job is to facilitate the crowd's enjoyment and entertainment you know yep knowing that and yep. and fulfilling that and meeting those expectations and beating them uh is great yeah. the last thing that i'll say is so i've played slummy bars where there's the expectation level where You know, there's people drinking and cursing and smoking and all those types of things. And I've played on stages at festivals and, you know, I've seen the same people who go from, who are the drinkers, swearers and smokers. Uh, When you're at a Mm -hmm. festival, that's not appropriate, right? Like language is a thing and and what you say in the microphone and how to do it. Uh, Our friend Jer is, is always gets quoted when he's trying to teach, especially a young singer or a young artist on how to do a mic check. Like. Unless you're a rapper, don't go mic check one, two, one, two. Like that does nothing for the audio engineer, right? (laughs) Sing something like you would sing it. Oh, say can you see, (laughs) or (laughs) amazing grace. There we go. Now, Jason owes me. I got you to sing. Okay.
0: Uh (laughs) Uh (laughs) And now you got a chimp laugh, so you're good. (laughs)
1: What do I got to say? Steve, Steve Warner, uh, Brad Paisley, and uh, that's right, Doctor Z, <laughs> and my
0: brother, Paul. and your brother Paul. And we're good to go. I'm trying to fill out the
1: bingo card. Uh, here, the last, last little bit. Uh, um, so good. But you know, I mean, thank you for listening <laughs> to the Tweed Couch. <laughs> I've had friends that we've had to uh, dismiss from being on stage. We've had a, monitor, a guest monitor engineer at the festival one time who was just dropping f bombs all over the place, and I had to go to their yeah. Their tour manager would be like, he can't be up here. Well, why not? He's our guy. I, I don't care. Like, I can't have him cussing yeah. and swearing uh, at not only our crew, but, you know, your talent. Like, we can't have that.
0: And, you know, we've had... Well, and around your sponsor. Because, after all, the sponsor is the reason why you're here. Right. Because if that sponsor didn't want you here, they're paying your bill. So, yeah, we're good. So, so kind of knowing your your place,
1: you know, and... I don't drink when I play, like you know, I'm I'm not a, uh, a prude or anything like that. But when I play, whether I'm in, in the slummiest bar or on a on a stage at a at a rock festival or a country festival, I I don't drink when I play. That's just not what I do. And I know guys who do, and I know guys who who will do that to excess in certain places. And that kind of stuff for me is really bad etiquette, right? Because my job yeah. is to facilitate the crowd, and if I get to a point where I'm not able to do that, it's not what where I want to be or, or, or how I, how I want to try to facilitate that crowd. So going all the way down to small stages and and wherever you're playing, um, maintaining your level is a huge part of etiquette. If you're playing a three set night in a bar and you can't get through your third set, you should probably check yourself there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we joke, you know, that, Oh, the rock star lifestyle. Well, when you're on a, on a tour, specifically the ones that I've been on as a monitor engineer, you're the first guy in. You're the last guy out. You're loading gear. You're moving stuff. It's not this crazy life that people think it is sometimes. Yeah. And the monotony is what gets you right, like because it's the same thing over and over and over every day. Mm-hmm. But kind of keeping your wits about you and keeping you know whatever situation you're in, whether you're a weekend warrior or you're a full time musician, um, the guy who who has too many vices on stage is also not going to get the phone call uh, when when they're needed. Those types of things. So.
0: Well, and I think that that probably brings us to one of our final little things to talk about, which is if you were trying to make sure that you got hired back, what measures would you take to prevent an accidental poor stage etiquette? And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go first on this one, because the fact is, I feel like it's the little things that really gets you hired back. Things like I showed up on time. If your load in is 5:30 in the morning, then you better be there at 5:30 in the morning. And if that means that you sit outside the venue at 5:20 to make sure you pull up at the right time, then you're showing up at 5:20. Like that that's all there is to it. Knowing your role. You know, you got to know, are you the headliner? Are you just the master of ceremonies? You're just the MC? Are you the side band or just the side guy? Or the stagehand. Know your role. Just because you're on a stage that happens to be the size of five semis doesn't mean that you're the person people came to see. It's It's an honor to be on that stage. And so I think a lot of that goes a long way. And one other thing. And that's saying thank you a lot. If you can say thank you a lot. Hey, thank you for having us at the festival. Thank you for having water for us. Thank you for bringing backline. Thank you for carting my stuff on and off stage. Just saying thank you makes all the difference in the world. And much to what you said before, the festival director doesn't just go, hey, sweet, you made me some money. We're good. The festival director goes to the person that might have been holding your amplifier or your guitar equipment or, you know, whatever. And goes, so, how was it working with Zach Williams? How was David Crowder? Tell me about the Newsboys. Tell me about Skillet. And all of these are artists that we're going to have at Life Fest this year. And I guarantee you, what that person's going to say on stage, that that stagehand, that lowly stagehand who volunteered to be there and wore his own black because we didn't provide it for him, is going to say, "Oh, they were they were awesome." They were so appreciative. They said thank you a lot. That's that's a big deal.
1: It's all those little things, uh, like you mentioned. I'll also say that if you honor your set times, things like that too. So obviously load in. Oh yeah. Be there, be ready to go. But know that you've got forty five minutes, and that there's a clock now. You know, it used to be the person with a time card, but now it's there's a clock counting down. Knowing where mm-hmm. that is, checking your environment. There's the whole. It's better to ask forgiveness than seek permission or does not happen on a stage. Like that's not how
0: it works in the industry. Yeah, right. You want to seek permission. Well, and to that extent, if you have a 45 minute set and all of a sudden they say, I'm sorry, you got to do 40. You're doing 40. Yeah. It, and, and the reverse also happens. Hey, we had a band go out. They're not going to be able to make it. Their van broke down. Their bus broke down. Something happened. We I know we asked you to do 45 can you do an hour of 15 because we just need something to kind of hold everybody here until this happens. Either way, the answer is yes. Even if you have to have a couple of extra stories or play a couple of songs that are on the album, but you haven't rehearsed (laughs) in like six months, figure it out.
1: Knowing your environment is another big thing. The bands that know where they Mm -hmm. are, Um, not just, you know, obviously physically, but knowing, Hey, are we allowed to use the thrust,
0: the runway, the catwalk, whatever you want to call that Oh that yeah. piece?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's reserved for Can the headland. Can we stand
0: on the gear? That's another yeah. one. I used to just love to jump off a kick drum and I would always ask, is it okay that I jump off your kick drum if I was with a different band or something like that? Because some people don't want that to happen. You know, is it okay that I step on your monitor or on your speakers? Because yep. it really does look cool when you put a foot on a monitor and you play the solo. But if the sound engineer is like that monitor is worth more than you got paid to be here. No, no, no. Yeah.
1: And obviously checking your surroundings. I mean, everyone loves the the goofy stage fall videos, you know, the guy who, you know, misses the end of the deck or whatever and goes stumbling <laughs> off. I mean, those are pretty, pretty entertaining from time to time. But
0: And those are great. <laughs> but but
1: knowing your environment, like I said, you know, hey, can I jump down? Is security gonna be okay if I jump on a subwoofer? And lean out into the crowd. Is security going to be okay yeah. if I try to run up and down the the barricade wall or something?
0: Right. Or ask someone on stage. Right. Because uh, that's a thing, too. Yeah.
1: Can we bring some people up? Can we do that? You know, there's there's artists that are notorious for climbing the rig, the truss, you know, going up, climbing up the, the sides oh, yeah. of the stage. Asking permission for those things is huge. Because if all yeah. of a sudden you see somebody doing something that they're not supposed to do, it allows the the venue specifically and, and the stage manager to move security where they need to go. There's a band for King and Country and they do this huge thing where they, the two there's two brothers that are the the front guys and they walk through the crowd and pop up at front of house and they sing a song at front of house to the crowd. It's amazing. The crowd loves it. It, oh, it really yeah. allows them to connect, not just on the catwalk, but they're way out at front of house. That takes coordination. That takes yeah, that takes Okay, I need 3 security guards for this guy and 3 for this guy and I need them at this moment and I want them here and as soon yep. as he comes up, you know, we want them to know who who's who and all these things and just doing that kind of stuff can really make it difficult to want you back at a festival or at a at a venue. Right. So it's all those little things, you know, uh, like I said, the time card, the the knowing knowing where you're at, knowing what you're allowed to do, asking permission for things and mm-hmm. the biggest one is the one you touched on is saying thank you and being respectful to the to the proper people. Yeah. Some little things and it's silly but when you sit down at a drum kit for the first time and you're going to play the drum kit and you're you're trying to get the house kit ready to go be conscious of your surroundings. Is the audio engineer putting the kick, putting a mic in the in the kick drum? Is the audio engineer yeah. r- adjusting some things? Don't play when that's happening. If you're a guitar player Hey, we're starting sound check. You know, the monitor engineer is telling you in your monitors, hey, we're starting sound check. Don't noodle on your guitar during sound check. Yeah. Do what's asked of you in those moments. Um, a stage manager will love you if everyone sits there, stares at the monitor engineer, does what they're told, gets done on time, gets their sound check done in an efficient manner. Then, if you want to play and rehearse, if you've got a 30 minute sound check and you spend the first 10 minutes getting your ears dialed in, you still get that twenty minutes if you want to play on the big stage and do your thing. If you're, yeah. If you take thirty minutes to get dialed in on a sound check, you don't get to play anymore. You're done. That's that's it. Yeah. So so, you know, following the lead of who's in charge specifically during sound checks and those types of things is huge, uh, in my book. And even ending, Absolutely. Even ending a minute early, like if you've got two minutes left on the clock, don't be like, "What well, can we squeeze in in two minutes?" Because chances are you're not going to make it. Knowing yeah. when to end is a big thing too ending on that high note and then, and then walking off stage and doing what you're supposed to do. So.
0: Absolutely. So that probably brings us to kind of some final thoughts. And as far as I'm concerned, a final thought that I like to add in is the above and beyond for me, the above and beyond of the actual artist that got hired is to be personable before the whole show starts. Maybe you're hanging out with fans. Maybe you're signing autographs. Maybe you just walk the festival. Maybe you are available for certain people. And then when it's all over, it doesn't mean it's all over for you. Say hi. Say thank you. Hang out a little bit. You know, if you're the headliner and you're trying to get everybody to go home, fine. Then don't do that. But what I'm getting at is don't just go, and I walked off stage and got on my bus. Or I walked off stage and then I hung out here. Or I walked off stage and then just smoked a cigarette. Whatever it is, there's something about being personal to the fans. Because the fact is, is the fans are the reason why you got hired to begin with. Yeah, because if nobody listens to you and
1: no one, you know, streams your album nowadays or buys your record is what we used to say. Yep. You don't get to play very long. You don't get to keep that. You don't get to have the, the coolest job in the world of playing music. Yeah. You know, my final thought is kind of what you alluded to, but we try to treat specifically at the festivals, our backstage area, like your living room. Nothing gets my goat more than the headliners being bothered, so to speak, by the up and coming bands, wanting pictures and, you know, hang out. Oh man, Mm -hmm. I'm hanging out with the headliner, the lead singer of this. This is their time to be down as well. Like this is their time to just hang out. And sometimes yeah. you get to hang out with people that are cool. And sometimes you get to yep. hang out and do cool things and sit on a tour bus and, and go do those things and and whatnot. But just treating everyone like it's your, your living room, I think is the best way to say it. Like if you invited yeah. Michael Tate from the Newsboys over to your house, or you invited Michael W. Smith is coming over for breakfast, you know, how would you treat him? Mm-hmm. How would you want him to be treated? That's what you need to do when you're backstage. Uh, so not even when you're yes. on stage performing, but how do you want to treat them? Because they don't want to they don't want to take selfies with you know everybody. That's not a normal no. thing, right? <laughs> like people don't want right. to be signing, you know, your autograph book because you're the opener band or whatever, right? Knowing that there's a place and a time for all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. it's the meet and greet opportunity, you know.
0: Yeah, and that's the reason why we need stage etiquette. Know your role, know what you're supposed to do, yeah, and be really respectful well that concludes our time of the tweed couch guitar therapy session if you like what you heard leave five stars in a review also don't forget to check us out on instagram facebook and twitter at the tweed couch until next time